7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, in Kyoto, Japan, it's 11 p.m., and here in Malaysia, it's 1973. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome, welcome in, Luna Amethyst, as always. Tip of the hat to you, and hello, welcome to the stream, wherever you may be on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitch.tv, where you will also find, of course, our Miko merch on Twitch.tv, so check it out if you like. I finally got coffee. I ran out of coffee. I know. Whoa. That's like a fate worse than death, but... Um, <sighs> We managed to get resupplied, thankfully. Um, Patreon.com is where you'll find us if you want to help support the show. Just search Jay Sheldon, J-A-Y-S-H-E-L-D-O-N on Patreon.com. And uh, you can support the show there and also find a special place for all of our books in a second tier level of support. You get access to... Only the reading of the books, all of our classic books, Wizard of Oz. My mind just went completely blank. The Wizard of Oz, uh, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, The Velveteen Rabbit, all those great ones. Uh, so you'll find that all cut out of the show. And uh, we also have something else kind of cool. I'll show you that in just a little bit. Uh, Luna says, uh, I think I got the final things for my Tati cosplay. Cool. Makeup and hair stuff. And you love the shoes. Great. Like, like I said, I can't wait to see it. Be sure you post some pictures. Um, very cool. Excited about that. And good luck. Uh, let's see. Okay, so, um, yeah, we had a... Uh, we had a really strange thumbnail tonight and, uh, and topics for the show. World record rice fields and pickle buns. Uh, if there was ever a description of this show for the last 91 episodes, this would be it. This is the curated concophony of crap from the World Wide Web. That's how we describe this show and... And that, and we read books. So there you go. And thank you to all the official I'm Not Wearing Pants weirdos out there who follow me and like and subscribe. And to all our podcast listeners, too, thank you very much for uh, for that. I appreciate your support over on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, all the podcast sites that carry our show we're on most most all of them, and uh, be sure and check it out. Like, subscribe. If you want to see the visual aspect of our show, and some of what we do is definitely better if you see the video, you can always go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. That'll take you right to the channel, and all of our episodes, every one, is there at rumble.com. It's free for an account. Cool site. They don't censor anything. They don't, you know, they're not Facebook or YouTube where if they don't like your opinion, they just shut you down or demonetize you or shadow ban you. Whatever you want is out there with, you know, obviously a few obvious guidelines, uh, violence, things like 
stupid things like that. But anyway, rumble.com, cool site, and just look for Jay Sheldon, No Pants, you'll find all our videos there if you are listening to the audio on our podcast. Sarge for K001. <laughs> Been enjoying your podcast for a while. Thought I'd catch up on the live stream. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much. And nice to, uh, nice to have you along. A big uh, round of applause from the studio audience for you, Sarge. Thank you so much. <laughs> I like it. Uh, very cool. All right. Uh, Cliff would be a fun winter costume. You're right, Luna. It would be. Um, he's too layered for summer. Yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, I was on, um, I've been on a few times on Stephen Bones Everything uh, live streams and podcasts. And um, I went once when we were going to play No Straight Roads live. And I went kind of semi-cosplaying Cliff. Because if you don't know, I do the voice of Cliff in the game NSR No Straight Roads. Uh, but you're right. I had the scarf and I had the shirt and I had the headband and I had the glasses. And there's a lot of layers there. And in Malaysia, you don't do layers. In fact, you take off layers here. So, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> wow. Um, all right. And one more thing before we move on into some other stuff. Uh, my other half uh, went out shopping and brought back those new... Uh, those new things from Nestle's, they're called Onde Onde Ice Cream. Um, and there's like glutinous rice and gula malaka. In fact, we did something on gula malaka on one of our way back shows. And um, they're very, very cool. And so anyway, I had a chance to try one. And it's delicious. Oh my goodness, it is so yummy. A friend of mine also tried it, and she posted this. This is, well, obviously after she's taken a bite, but you've got this ice cream outer thing here, and inside is this kind of frozen-y, sweet molasses gula malaka. If you don't know what that is, it's like a, a dark brown sugar, um, gooey, sticky, and it's actually really delicious. Um, <laughs> Luna says, dude, I'm starving. Well, trust me, this, this is nice. It, it really is. I don't know where in other countries it might be. It's only just hit the market here in Malaysia. And I'm glad I got to try it because it's pretty good. It's going to go on my list of, uh, mm, yeah, I think I want another one of those. So these were really, really nice. Really good. Onde, onde. What is it? Nestle's Onde Onde Ice Cream. And I'm guessing since it's Japanese, the O-N-D-E would be pronounced Onde. I'm, I'm nearly sure of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and one more announcement. You have a massive sweet tooth. Moi aussi. So do I. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, another announcement of something that we've created. There is, there is not, like on our Patreon page... You can pay to check out only the reading of the chapters of the books. It's a special thing where we set it up just for people who want to help support the show in that way. Because not only, of course, are you supporting the show, but you're getting a nice little, little benefit there. But we did put this out there, and it's new on Facebook. We will eventually, I think, have it on YouTube also on a special playlist. But for the moment, it's just on, on uh, Facebook, and it's called... 
I'm not wearing pants, shorts, and switch over. There we go. Looks like this. Now, sadly, I've got to kind of do some adjusting here because uh, this stupid thing. All right. I'm going to do, be doing this live so we get to see, you know, you'll be breaking the fourth wall. Why not? We do that all the time on this show. So here's our page and uh, you can find it on Facebook Watch. And just look for I'm not, yeah, I'm not wearing pants, shorts is what it's called. And as I scroll through here, you'll see from way back in one of our first shows, there's just little segments, little bits, like when Miko visits the show, or I'm talking about squeaky shoes, playing the shakuhachi, the shamisan, uh, told you the story about ghost hunting with Ed and Lorraine Warren that I did. Uh, so all dragon meat, old radio days, they're all here. Uh, in a huge, I don't know, we're not even finished yet, but I've uploaded, I don't know, 40, 50 of these things. So they are all here. They all have the same thumbnail, but you look over here at the, uh, at the title and you can tell which one, it, what it's about. So they're all there. Yeah. It's called, I'm not wearing pants short. So go over, you can follow, right? Uh, let me, let me just get my mouse back here. Right over here. You see that follow button, just click there and then you'll be notified whenever we upload some something else. And I will have a ton of them. So again, if you're listening on the podcast, it's kind of a visual thing, but check out on your Facebook account, uh, I'm not wearing pants, shorts. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is, little uh, mini short clips of the show. Quite cool. We're, we're happy to have uh, had that up there and hope you will check it out. Alrighty. Um, we do have some other stuff to talk about tonight. And of course, we also have our book. And you know what? Here's another behind the scenes thing for you. I suddenly realized I always get the book set up before we go live so that I can just flip to it. I was so busy doing so many things tonight and eating Onde Onde ice cream from Nestle's. I, I completely forgot to do that. So we will do that live like we always do. We just, you know, we just put it out there and you put up with it for some reason. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. We've got uh, some, one semi-serious thing here and then some stuff that's kind of inspirational. A couple funny things and, and we will do that. But I saw this, my, my dear friend Stephen, who, who does an amazing job of, of posting some really insightful things. And he, he posted this thing. It would be amazing if Nestle sponsored this stream. Yes, that would be a very good thing. So if the Nestle's agency is listening, or if you know somebody, you could, you know, stick a bug in their ear. We've been promoting Nestle products tonight quite heavy because they're really yummy. Okay. All right, here we go. I got to get back to this. And now my, my whole lineup is going to be all screwed up because I had to play around with things just for the... Uh, with the onde onde ice cream. So now I got to do it all over again. So you're just going to have to put up with me doing some adjusting live on the air, but you'll live with it. All right. People had in the past some of these, you know, politically correct cancel culture moron idiot buffoons been talking about the Betsy Ross flag and how it was offensive and blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Sit down. All right. So for the record, Betsy Ross was a Quaker, and Quakers were abolitionists. Quakers helped ban slavery in England. Quakers were vital to the American Underground Railroad, which helped 
to free the slaves. Objecting to a Betsy Ross flag, because they say it represents slavery, just shows your complete and utter ignorance of the truth. Hats off to Betsy Ross and her remarkable flag. So now, the next time your liberal, goofball, cancel culture moron friends want to say something about the Betsy Ross flag, there you go. Say, shut up and sit down, because you're wrong. Had to pop that in there. All right, from the sublime to the ridiculous. And let me tell you, this is ridiculous. You know, I had complained that one of my favorite sandwiches, my ultimate favorite sandwich is a roast beef sandwich with Swiss cheese, mayonnaise, maybe a few little dill pickles, and some good bread. Bread, you know, it does make a difference, but some decent bakery bread, hand-sliced stuff. That, that to me, little must, little gray poupon mustard or something, that's my favorite sandwich. My second favorite sandwich that you cannot find in Malaysia, except used to be only one place. They went out of business. Now, only one place. I'm hoping, David Chin, you still make them because yours was amazing. David Chin has uh, his own restaurant. And obviously these days, because we're all still under this stupid house arrest, uh, it's only takeaway. You can't sit down in his beautiful restaurant and eat a meal. But uh, please do check him out. Uh, look, at him, look him up on Facebook, online. Uh, just David Chin. He's a crazy old guy, but he's, he makes some amazing food, including one of the best Reuben sandwiches I think I have ever had. It's like, it's like being in New York, uh, honestly. But then I saw this, and I thought, hmm... Okay, I'd try it, but I'm almost sure I wouldn't like it. Yeah, um, okay, I gotta move this thing over so you can see the whole thing. It is a pickle bun Reuben sandwich. I, I mean, I hope you'd like pickles, because you'd really have to like pickles to like this. <laughs> Substituting a jumbo pickle for a bun, which they say adds a ton of flavor and texture. Now, if it's a nice, cold, crispy dill pickle that kind of, you know, you can crunch on, that's why I'm saying this maybe as a one-off thing might be okay. That's a lot of pickle though. Uh, Adds flavor and texture to this classic sandwich, um, all the while making it keto-friendly. Oh, keto this, keto this, keto my butt. Shut up and sit down. All right. The Anyway, beyond the keto crap, the pickle bun is super juicy, slightly crunchy, and then the creamy dressing adds some bright and tangy sweetness. Here is a... Oh, I don't want your ad. Come on, Unify. You get enough publicity. Let's just blow past that until it comes up again. Um, uh, read the full recipe after the video. Yeah, I'd rather just not see ads for some stupid internet service. Uh, 
Okay, so they've got a recipe here online. You can go to myrecipes.com. That's where this comes from. And she's actually making this thing now. Uh, although I can't imagine they have a pickle that big. That would be insane. So there's a, uh, there's a recipe here. Uh, jumbo dill pickles, corned beef, cabbage, cheese, Swiss cheese. Yeah, Russian dressing. Okay, that's kind of typical Reuben sandwich. Um, but man, I don't know. They're saying you slice it, you cut out the pickles and take out the seeds. There you go. You can see her here doing that, taking out the seeds. And then I guess that is a pretty big pickle. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Enough of this. Enough of this. You get the idea anyway, that, that, um, yeah, they basically made a pickle sandwich. So I, like I said, I don't know. I might be up to try it just once, just for ha-has, but um, I'm, I, maybe not. Maybe not. What would you wash that down with? A beer. Yeah. You, I think you'd have to have a beer. If you're having that much pickle, you'd really have to have a beer. Um, okay. We promised you a world record rice field. Huh? A world record rice field. Would that be a rice field that grows the most rice? Would that be a rice field that produces the biggest grains of rice or the smallest grains of rice? Well, it is from the Giotta Rice Art Field in Saitama. They hold the world's record for the largest rice field art, which was given in 2015. And every year, the venue showcases a different design. Check this out. Look at that. That is amazing. Whoa. This is planted in a rice field. That's not painted on. You can see in the background here all the other rice patties. Huge rice plantation here. And... This actually, now these are trees here. You can see the shadows and the road going by. There's a little person there so you can get an idea for perspective. But look at this. You'd, you'd really have to see it from the air. So imagine someone has planted and carved in this into the rice field that huge without really, other than if you had a drone, being able to see what they were doing. That is absolutely incredible. A world record. That's amazing. I'm telling you, them crazy Japanese people just keep getting bigger and better. It's amazing. Did you watch the Olympics, by the way? Yeah, I didn't. Because, you know, no audience, kind of a snoozer. Eh. I, you know, I mean, good luck to all the athletes and all. And I'm not a big sports guy anyway. I will occasionally watch an Olympics. I'm more about the pomp and circumstance, opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies, those kind of things. Those are cool. I do watch those. In fact, oh, I wish I'd have thought of it. I would have queued it up. The, the most amazing Olympic moment ever. I don't know if you saw it, and I cannot remember the year. I have a feeling it was in the 80s. And I want to say it was the when the... Greece Olympics, the Greek Olympics happened. 
but I don't recall. It might have been South America the more I think about it. But it's always a big moment, the, the time they light the torch. It, it's so cool. I will find it, and I will show you next stream. I'll make a note to uh, to put that in my next stream. Uh, I'm sure the Olympics will still be going on. Uh, but basically, to give you the short version of a very long story, um, they shot a flaming arrow. I mean hundreds of meters away into the top of the torch and the torch lit and it was i mean goosebumps literally goosebumps it was one of those wah moments i will find it it is on youtube you can look it up if you want but i'll stick it in our next stream i'm sorry i didn't uh, i didn't think about it to uh, to get it in the show tonight but it is absolutely amazing yeah, that is beautiful. Got to see that myself when the pandemic is over. Mm, I hope so. Please do. Um, all right. Sweet story. Sweet story. It's inspirational. And I really wanted to share this with you. I, this was so nice. Um, it goes with this picture. If you're listening on the podcast, sorry, but it's a visual thing. But it, the story is not. The story I will relate to you. Um, it's from Sweet Buffalo on uh, posted on, uh, on Facebook. Dawn posted this. Um, he's 85 and he insists on taking his wife's hand everywhere they go. When I asked him why his wife kept looking away, he responded, because she has Alzheimer's. I then proceeded to ask him, will your wife worry if you let her go? And he replied, she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't know who I am anymore. She hasn't recognized me for years. Surprised, I said, and you've continued to guide her hand every single day, even though she doesn't recognize you? And the elderly man smiled, looked into my eyes and said, she may not know who I am, but I know who she is. And she is the love of my life. Wow. Yeah. Some inspirational words there. That is what love, true love, is all about. Words. Words, 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 words. Okay, got another one for you. And uh, it's about words and the words that you use. And why you um, why you should uh, be aware of the things that you say and the words that you choose to use. Because words, so powerful, they can crush a heart or heal it. They can shame a soul or liberate it. They can shatter dreams or energize them. They can obstruct connection or invite it. They can create defenses or melt them. We have to use words wisely. Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown runs his own place over on uh, Facebook, by the way. I'll give him a little tip of the hat here. It's called Soul Shaping. And uh, he's got some very inspirational stuff there. I like it very much. You check that out. Soul, S-O-U-L, Soul Shaping. Very nice. All right. And before you go thinking, I got one more for you. I think it's one. Yeah, one more. Before you go thinking that um, 
<laughs> that uh, you don't matter. And I know these days with us being in the pandemic and a lot of countries having these ridiculous lockdown rules that don't work and uh, things like that, um, people are having a lot of time to think and thinking about themselves and their lives. And um, I saw this. The author is unknown, sadly, but uh, it's similar to something that I've read before. But in case you missed it, I'll read it again. It's, it's slightly different from the first one that I shared with you. You may think you are completely insignificant in this world, but someone drinks a cup of coffee from that favorite mug that you gave them. Someone heard a song on the radio that reminded them of you. Someone read the book you recommended and plunged headfirst into it. Someone smiled after a hard day's work because they remembered a joke that you told them today. Someone loves themselves just a little bit more because you gave them a compliment. Never think, never think that you have no influence whatsoever. Your trace that you leave behind in every good deed cannot be erased. Those little random acts of kindness that you do, however insignificant you think. Gee, your hair looks nice. Hey, that blouse looks good on you. Uh, whatever. Those things matter, and people do remember them. And you do brighten up someone else's day, even with what you think are insignificant little comments or actions. Uh, they make a difference. And they can sometimes... Sometimes they can help people get through a very rough day or week. Or in some cases, even a year. <laughs> Sadly. Um, uh, I'm going to do something. And I shouldn't do this live on the air, but I'm going to anyway. I think this might be it. I'm pretty sure. Yes, this is it. I found it. <laughs> All right, bear with me now. I can't play the audio because I'll, I'll get a copyright strike. But this is the most, it's the 1992 Barcelona, uh, I was Spain, the 1992 Barcelona Olympic openings. Check this out. Watch this. There's the torch coming up to the stand. I'm sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, you have to go to rumble.com. You can watch the video. It's absolutely amazing. Wait till you see this. Wait till you see how they light this torch. There's the, the archer who lights the arrow from the torch. I'm getting goosebumps. I Seriously, I wish you could see. Watch, watch, watch. Pulls back the flaming arrow. Let's it fly. Imagine. Look, look how far. Boom. And the torch is lit. Oh, my God. That is... Seriously, dude, I have goosebumps on goosebumps. That is incredible.
Wow. Unbelievable. I'm so glad I, I, I found that quickly. <laughs> that, uh, man, I, I seriously, I'm welling up. I get very emo about incredible stuff like that. And that to me is insane. Imagine the shot. Likely they had a backup plan. It does look like as the arrow goes over, it lights not necessarily from the arrow. But still, that shot was true. That went right over the top of that, uh, that cauldron. It was absolutely amazing. Insane. All right. Uh, you know what? We've got to move on to our book. And um, <laughs> I've got to actually uh, cue it up here. So you're going to have to bear with me once again while I figure it out. Uh, Sarge says chills. <laughs> really, absolute chills. It was absolutely incredible. Um, unbelievable. All right, so not only do I have to figure out where the book is and where we are in the book, but I've got to get back to the spot where we left off, which was a brand new chapter and something about the seal. So I'm going to fast forward through all this stuff till I get... Oh, I found it. <laughs> I knew that I would. Um, yeah, we're starting a new chapter tonight. And I promise you we won't do the whole thing because these chapters that Rudyard Kipling wrote in the Jungle Book are... are very long. So we just do it till a point where it sounds like a good cutoff point and then we continue it on into the next stream. But... Um, I'll tell you one thing about this Jungle Book that I mentioned in our last stream, and that is, this is a much darker and different story from the, you know, bouncy, sing-song, musical, animated cartoon that they put together. Uh, <laughs> this ain't that. No, this is really, honestly, this is almost, this isn't a kid's story. This is really a story for adults. I just can't see... Mm, I can't really see sitting down and reading this to your kid. I mean, maybe back then in the 1800s when this was written, but yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, it is indeed Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, and uh, we will move on into it. Our brand new chapter tonight is called The White Seal. That's S-E-A-L. Um, the Seal Lullaby begins with, Oh, Hush thee, the night is behind us, and black are the waters that sparkle so green. The moon o'er the combers looks downward to find us, at rest in the hollows that rustle between. Where billow meets billow, then soft be thy pillow. Ah, weary we, flippering, curl at thy ease. The storm shall not wake thee, nor shark overtake thee, asleep in the arms of the slow-swinging seas. The White Seal All these things happened several years ago at a place called Novastoshna, or Northeast Point, on the island of St. Paul, away and away in the Bering Sea. Limmershin, the winter wren, told me the tale when he was blown on to the rigging of a steamer going to Japan. 
and I took him down into my cabin and warmed and fed him for a couple of days till he was fit to fly back to St. Paul's again. Limmershin is a quaint little bird, but he knows how to tell the truth. Nobody comes to Novastashna except on business, and the only people who have regular business there are the seals. They come in the summer months by hundreds and hundreds of thousands out of the cold gray sea, for Novastoshna Beach has the finest accommodations for seals of any place in the world. Sea Catch knew that, and every spring would swim from whatever place he happened to be in, would swim like a torpedo boat, boat straight for Novastoshna, and spend a month fighting with his companions for a good place on the rocks, as close to the sea as possible. Sea Catch was fifteen years old, a huge gray fur seal with almost a mane on his shoulders and long, wicked dog teeth. When he heaved himself up on his front flippers, he stood more than four feet clear of the ground, and his weight, well, if anyone had been bold enough to weigh him, was nearly seven hundred pounds. He was scarred all over with the marks of savage fights, but he was always ready for just one more fight. He would put his head on one side as though he were afraid to look his enemy in the face. Then he would shoot it out like lightning. When the big teeth were firmly fixed on the other seal's neck, the other seal might get away if he could, but sea catch would not help him. Yet Sea Catch never chased a beaten seal, for that was against the rules of the beach. He only wanted room by the sea for his nursery. But as there were forty or fifty thousand other seals hunting for the same thing each spring, the whistling, the bellowing, the roaring, and the blowing on the beach was something frightful. From a little hill called Hutchinson Hill, you could look over three and a half miles of ground covered with fighting seals, and the surf was dotted all over with the heads of seals hurrying to land and begin their share of the fighting. They fought in the breakers, they fought on the sand, they fought on the smooth-worn basalt rocks of the nurseries, for they were just as stupid and unaccommodating as men. Their wives never came to the island until late in May or early in June, for they didn't care to be torn to pieces. And the two young three- or four-year-old seals who had not begun housekeeping went inland for about a half a mile through the ranks of the fighters and played about on the sand dunes in droves and legions and rubbed off every single green thing that grew. They were called the Hollis Chickies, the Bachelors, and there were perhaps two or three hundred thousand of them, as at Novastanchna alone. Sea Catch had just finished his forty-fifth fight one spring, when Matka, his soft, sleek, gentle-eyed wife, came up out of the sea, and he caught her by the scruff of the neck and dumped her down on his reservation, saying gruffly, Late as usual. 
Where have you been? It was not the fashion for Seacatch to eat anything during the four months he stayed on the beaches, so his temper was generally bad. Matka knew better than to answer back. She looked around and cooed, How thoughtful of you. You've taken the old place again. I should think I had, said Seacatch. Look at me. He was scratched and bleeding in twenty places. One eye was almost out, and his sides were torn to ribbons. Oh, you men, you men, Matka said, fanning herself with her hind flipper. Why can't you just be sensible and settle in your places quietly? You look as though you'd been fighting with a killer whale. I haven't been doing anything but fight since the middle of May. The beach is disgracefully crowded this season. I met at least a hundred seals from Lukanen. Beach, house hunting. Why can't people stay where they belong? I've often thought we should be much happier if we hauled out at Otter Island instead of this crowded place, said Matka. Bah! Only Hollis chickies go to Otter Island. If we went there, they would say we were afraid. We must preserve appearances, my dear. Seachunk sunk his head proudly between his fat shoulders and pretended to go to sleep for a few minutes. But all the time he was keeping a sharp lookout for a fight. Now that all the seals and their wives were on land... You could hear their clamor miles out to sea above the loudest gales. At the lowest counting, there were over a million seals on the beach. Old seals, mother seals, baby seals, and hollis chickies fighting, scuffling, bleeding, crawling, and playing together. Going down to the sea and coming up from it in gangs and regiments, lying over every foot of ground as far as the eye could reach and skirmishing about in brigades through the fog. It was nearly always foggy at Novastun, except when the sun comes out and makes everything look all pearly and rainbow-colored for a little while. Kotick, Matka's baby, was born in the middle of that confusion, and he was all head and shoulders with pale, watery blue eyes, as tiny seals must be, but there was something about his coat that made his mother look at him very closely. Sea catch, she said at last, our baby's going to be white. Empty clamshells and dry seaweed, snorted Sea catch. There's never been such a thing in the world as a white seal. Oh, I can't help that, said Matka. There's going to be one now and she sang the low-crooning seal song that all mothers sing to their babies. You mustn't swim till you're six weeks old, or your head will be sunk by your heels, and summer gates and killer whales are bad for baby seals. Are bad for baby seals, dear rat, as bad as bad can be. But splash and grow strong, and you can't be wrong, child of the open sea.
Of course, the little fellow didn't understand the words at first. He paddled and scrambled about by his mother's side and learned to scuffle out of the way when his father was fighting with another seal. And the two rolled and roared up and down the slippery rocks. Matka used to go to sea to get things to eat, and the baby was fed only once in two days. But then he ate all he could and throve upon it. The one thing he did was to crawl inland, and there he met tens of thousands of babies of his own age, and they played together like puppies, went to sleep on the clean sand, and then played again. The old people in the nursery took no notice of them, and the hocklechickies kept to their own grounds, and the babies had a beautiful playtime. When Matka came back from her deep-sea fishing, she would go straight to their playground and call as a sheep calls for a lamb and wait until she heard Kotick's bleat. And then she'd take the straightest of straight lines in his direction, striking out with her foreflippers and knocking the youngsters head over heels right and left. There were always a few hundred mothers hunting for their children through the playgrounds, and the babies were kept lively. But, as Matka told Kotick, so long as you don't lie in muddy water and get mange or rub the hard sand into a cut or scratch, and so long as you never go swimming when there's a heavy sea, nothing will hurt you here. Now little seals can no more swim than little children, but they are unhappy until they learn. The first time that Kotick went down to the sea, a wave carried him out beyond his depth and his big head sank, and his little hind flippers flew up exactly as his mother had told him in the song. And if the next wave had not thrown him back again, he would have drowned. After that, he learned to lie in a beach pool and let the wash of the waves just cover him and lift him up while he paddled. But he always kept his eye open for big waves that might hurt. He has two weeks learning to use his flippers, and all that while he floundered in and out of the water and coughed and grunted and crawled up the beach and took catnaps on the sand and then went back again until at last he found that he truly belonged to the water. Well, you can imagine the times he had with his companions, ducking under the rollers or coming in on top of a comber and landing with a swash and a splutter as the big wave went whirling far up the beach, or standing up on his tail and scratching his head as the old people did, or playing, I'm king of the castle, on slippery, weedy rocks that snuck out of the wash. Now and then he would see a thin fin like a big shark's fin, drifting along close to shore, and he knew that that was the killer whale, the grampus, who eats young seals when he can get them, and Kotick would head for the beach like an arrow, and the fin would jig off slowly, as if it were looking for nothing at all. Well, late in October... The seals began to leave St. Paul's for the deep sea, by families and tribes, and there was no more fighting over the nurseries, and the Hollis chickies played anywhere they liked. 
Next year, said Matka to Kotick, you will be a Hollis chickie. But this year, you must learn how to catch fish. And they set off together across the Pacific, and Matka showed Kotick how to sleep on his back with his flippers tucked down by his side and his little nose just out of the water. No cradle is so comfortable as the long, rocking swell of the Pacific. While Kotick felt his skin tingle all over, Matka told him he was learning the feel of the water, and that tingly, prickly feeling meant bad weather is coming, and he must swim very hard and get away. In a little time, she said, you'll know where to swim to, but just now we'll follow Sea Pig, the porpoise, for he's very wise. A school of porpoises were ducking and tearing through the water, and little Kotick followed them as fast as he could. How do you know where to go, he panted. The leader of the school rolled his white eye and ducked under. My tail tingles, youngster, he said. That means there's a gale behind me. Come along. When you're south of the sticky water, he meant the equator, and your tail tingles, that means there's a gale in front of you, and you must head north. Come along. The weather feels bad here. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight in the Jungle Book. The White Seal. Very cool. Very cool. All right. <laughs> I have to tell you, of all the chapters we've read so far, this one is turning out to be the most interesting. And somehow at the moment, Mowgli is not even involved in this chapter. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for uh, for coming along for the ride. I really appreciate it. For all of our podcast listeners, thank you. Don't forget to subscribe download the episodes and you will also find our visuals over on rumble.com slash j sheldon no pants that is our uh, our whole uh, show all the episodes are there and the brand new uh, i'm not wearing pants shorts on facebook <laughs> check that out too okay guys until next time which will be on monday really enjoy the uh, rest of your weekend i hope you do i will and i will see you monday until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night.